Welcome to another awesome episode of Errol Helps Entrepreneurs Increase Visibility, Credibility, and Profitability. Today, I'm super excited about our guest. We have a two-time Grammy nominee here with us to share about his journey, share about his experience, and really just share about success. So today, we have with us Sean Ardoin. Sean I have a list here of how to introduce you, but let me let me have you introduce yourself here to our uh, to our audience. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Sean Ardoin from Lake Charles, Louisiana, fourth generation Creole artist uh, and current two-time Grammy. Go into the Grammys February 10th to become a two-time Grammy winner. Because if I don't believe it, who's gonna believe it? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. You know, uh, the you know here's some of the the things I was really impressed with is I, I kind of. Uh, read up a little bit more on some of the background. And I think we have a lot to talk about here just in terms of entrepreneurship and pursuing success. You know, even this connection came from uh, the opportunity really to connect. This came from some networking and some relationship building over time. And I think a lot of times when we're thinking about success and, and building, uh, we maybe discount some of the, the, the value of really just connecting and, and legitimately uh, working with people. A lot of interesting opportunities. Oh. Well, I got a whole spiel on that, bro, you know, because I'm motivational speak as well. And relationships are paramount. Absolutely. Now, that's so you're not just a motivational speaker. You're an ETA certified speaker, correct? Yes, I am. Associate Eric Thomas, the number one, best and most incredible game changing motivational speaker in the entire world. In the world, Craig. Of the world, Craig. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we've got a lot going on. So this was, I thought this was, was super interesting. So you've performed in a lot of different places. So in terms of the, um, the, you know, the recognition. So in this case, outside of just really, again, it's very big to be Grammy nominated. Performed at the Kennedy Center. Performed at Carnegie Hall. Festivals worldwide. Uh, live on the BET's uh, Comic View. I've uh, been in commercials, had your music in commercials, music in movies, MTV, Road Rules, The Real World, Fraternity Life, Sorority Life, uh, and on Oprah's Network. Like, all that stuff is super crazy cool. Hey, man. And then the last 12 months, I've had three, uh, three primetime TV appearances, starting with Oprah's Queen Sugar, and then Bravo TV, Southern Charm, New Orleans. And then a month ago on NCIS New Orleans on CBS. Wow, that's it. So, so it went, it went Oprah's Network, Bravo TV, CBS primetime. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! It's going to be really crazy, interesting to see how things even blow up more. You know, with this type of recognition opportunity. Let's start. Let's start with your story. All right. So, so how did you get to this point? So speaking music, you know, I think even the type of music 
that you're you're making and incorporating it's it's almost evolutionary with music and it's it's different it's interesting and so tell us more about okay how, how did you kind of get started on your journey and you know tell us this, tell us the journey of sean ardoin okay well um the musical journey started because i'm fourth generation so music has always been in my family um the really cool thing is that uh is that uh, it, it takes a while to get to the point to where you're comfortable in your own skin. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people may not understand that. Like when I'm speaking, I tell people, can't nobody beat you at being you cause you're lit. And the thing is, it takes people a, a minute to, to realize that they're special and that they have a gift and that their unique gift is what the world is looking for. Not their repackaging of someone else's gift. And as an artist, we, we generally tend to catch that a lot later. <laughs> because you know there's trends that we have to deal with there's there's you know social things you got to deal with and so it's just you just got to get to that point to where you just you just really said well this is who I am and my tribe is going to find me and when they find me we're going to rock until the wheels fall off matter of fact when the wheels fall off we're going to put another one on and we're going to keep retreading it and we're going to keep on moving until we just don't want to move no more you know so um I started playing at 11 years old. I played drums at four. And then at 11 years old, I started, I learned how to play the uh, accordion. And, uh, and from that point, I started playing my dad's band. So professionally, I've been playing for 38 years. Now, the 30, the 38 years isn't like a, a 38 years, like at 11, we're not playing every weekend, but I'm playing a good bit for an 11 year old. And as I get older, I become a part of the, of the band. And um, and then at some point, me and my little brother take over the band and then me and my little brother break up. And then now in 99, which this is the, going on my 20th year of a solo project. So the Grammy noms come at a really cool time because in, in my 20th year, I go into my 20th year as a Grammy, a two time Grammy nominee, which is phenomenal. It's 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 an amazing trip. It's a, it's an amazing you know lifetime that I've had. And um, just getting here is about not quitting. I know people talk about that all the time. They're like, oh, my God, you know, if you just don't quit, you'll get it. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you don't quit, you'll get it. Because <laughs> here we are, two Grammy nominations, man. You know, it's, it's amazing. That's, uh, that, is, that is interesting. So, so, yeah, in this case... So you've been doing music for, for a long period of time, kind of going, going after it, experiencing different things, producing. And so then in this case, the move to kind of the speaking and uh, trying to provide motivation to other individuals. How did that, how did that come up? How did that sort of, when did that start? And how did that? Okay. Well, I've always, I've always been uh, coaching people. I've always been motivating people. I just didn't know you could get paid for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, like that's my personality. It's who I am. I'm a flamingo. Uh, uh, as far as the four animals are, are concerned, I'm a flamingo. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I have a high chameleon and high gorilla. So, um, y'all don't know what that means. It just means that I'm very, very, very people oriented. I can make a decision and I understand process, but my details very low. <laughs> so don't bog me down with detail, but I've always been really concerned with people. I love people. So, I was reading this book about what's your one word. My one word is people because everything I've done, everything I do is always people centered. And so um, 
I've, I've been following Eric Thomas for since say 20, 2010, something like that. Okay. And uh, I even, and I had to change the way I said this. I wanted to bring him here for, to, to speak in the schools. And I, and I was going to say, but I just didn't get to do it. No, I wanted to bring him here in the schools and I quit before I could get him in the schools. You know what I'm saying? I want to take full responsibility for that because I think that would have been a really cool point to get him before he blew up. I felt like he was about to blow up. And I mean, like right after that, man, it went from to whatever he was charging to see, you can't see my hand anymore. Right. That's where it went to. <laughs> and and so I just stayed in relationship. And then one day uh, he, he sent out the email about P7D and uh, P7D was his thing where he, for speakers, people who wanted to public speak. And I was like, you know what, man? And, and the, I sold cars for a little while. Um, when I stopped playing music for a minute, uh, spiritual reasons, God was like, stop. So I stopped and I went and sold cars for a while. Didn't understand why I was selling cars, but I went to sell cars because I learned that in that car selling time, I learned to network, negotiate, prospect, say no, be told no. And I don't take business personal. And I also understood that, that since I don't take business personal, I understand now that if you're not booking my band, it's because you don't see the value in my band. If you're not booking me to speak, it's because you don't see the value in my speaking. So it's my job to increase your value quotient so that you can then come back to book me. So, so I, I, I'm selling cars, I'm doing all this stuff, and P7D comes. And while we're selling cars, the owner of the dealership has us watching motivational videos every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I do that already. And these dudes are getting paid how much? Oh, yeah. I got to investigate that. Never investigated it. Another thing, when you get an idea and you see that you can do something, go get it. Go after it. Because the only reason you don't have it is because you didn't go get it. So I go to P7D, and long story short, he offers the class uh, and the course to become a certified ETA speaker. So I join it, I become one, and I become one of the first 20 to get uh, certified. And there's no particular order, but I was in the second, second or third group to get certified, and my certificate actually says number 20. So I can say I'm top, I'm, I was the first 20 to get certified. And that just blew my mind and opened up my mind to all kinds of other prospects. Uh, I'll be speaking at the Education Credit Council's uh, National Convention in New Orleans the day after the Grammys. So I'm gonna have to fly on a red eye to go to New Orleans and speak at one o'clock in the afternoon. Interesting. The grind is definitely real. So that's how I got hooked up with ET. I, I responded to the call and it's been, it's been a blessing on my life, man. It's changed a whole bunch of stuff. I started coaching people and um, I success coached them, you know, and basically uh, it's, it's not like I said, t told you in our email, it's not a niche thing where I just coach speakers because I do multiple things. And at the end of the day, the principles don't change. Entrepreneurship, the principles don't change. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that I mean, really taking a look at pretty much any of the any of the pursuits. I mean, you've been kind of working at uh it's uh, trying to build your own success within different different ways. Uh and so I guess if you're taking a look at sort of some of the uh, I guess the 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 processes or the challenges you have, any particular challenges that you would sort of highlight or things that sort of underlie the the process of, of trying to uh trying to succeed? Oh my God. There's look, there are more forces against you than are for you. 
The thing you have to manage is the things you concentrate on. You have got to concentrate on the things that are for you because everything will rise up against you whenever you try to be successful. And then whenever you try to be successful and you're doing something unique and different, there'll be even more forces that are for you. And that's whenever you have to press in to the people who are against you. And that's when you have to press into the things that are for you because it's really easy to quit. And so many people quit before they get success. Like some things that like, first of all, like for, for me in my, in my, in my walk, there's been a family quotient. There's been some family members who, you know, I've had to not listen to or, or have to overcome relationship with or whatever to be successful. And then you have friends who, you know, your friends who you think are your friends, but then whenever it comes down to it and you get the real story as to why you didn't get that gig or why you didn't get that opportunity that you thought was going to be a great thing, then you find out that that friend was the one who, who, who shut that opportunity down. That, that'll shake you. And if you're not strong enough and you're not determined, and if you don't put your vision before you enough, then you, you could stop and fail. But there are going to be many opportunities for you to quit on, along the way to success. You just can't take any of those opportunities. You just, how, do you, how would you say that you stayed focused throughout that to be resilient and to, to keep, uh, keep going? You know, what's, what's been that for you? Well, Errol, one thing I can say is I'm stupid. And, and when I, let, me, let me clarify stupid. I'm stupid because I don't take no for an answer. I'm stupid because when people tell me I can't do something, I, I, I have this overwhelming, overwhelming urge to prove them wrong. Now, that's a good thing and a bad thing, because a lot of times, you know, you, in your plight to prove in your efforts to prove them wrong, you're going too far out the way. So I, you got to temper that. That's a good thing to have. But you got to learn how to temper it to, to make it productive and not just to prove a point and be selfish. So uh, and, and tell me that question again. Uh, the, uh. So. So, yeah. So what in terms of for uh, keeping your got it, keeping your focus. Yes. Keeping focus. I, um, I, I have a, a, a method called the SSG method is see it, say it, get to work. One more time. That's see it. Say it, get to work, and it don't work if you don't clap it. <laughs> you gotta clap it. So, so what it is is you have to see your goal. Mm -hmm. You have to visually see where you're trying to go, and then you have to say it. Now, I, the minimum amount of times you need to say it is when you wake up and before you go to sleep. Okay. Now, what's cool about that is if it's on your mind and you can really see it, you can say it all day long. It doesn't hurt to say it more than time, but you have to say it at least twice. Then once you've seen your goal and you've set it in the morning, you've set it in the evening and you've set it throughout the day. Now you got to get to work doing everything you can do to bring that goal to pass. And when I say everything, I mean everything. You know, if you're a believer, if you have faith, then you believe in your faith. You, you, you believe like it all depends on your faith and then you work like everything depends on you. OK, I mean, I have my vision board. It's over there. You can't see it. You have to put it before you where you can see it. If you look on my phone, if you could see my screensaver and, and my uh, and my and my wallpaper, it's a Grammy Award. I put it before me. I go and talk to these kids and I tell them, I said, you know, and these, and these adults, and these people, I said, what is your goal? And when they tell me their goal, I said, OK, let me see your phone. And I get their phone. They got pictures of something that don't even relate to their goal. I'm like, you know, if it's your wife, then that's cool because she's your wife. 
But if it's if it's not your wife, it's if it's something just frivolous, then you, you're missing an opportunity to keep yourself motivated. So I, I, I attribute the fact that I used the SSG method. I saw it, I said it, and I got to work. I kept my goal always before me. My why is big. You have to have a big enough why. And my why is my wife. She just retired, and, and she, the, the, the retirement was looming. So I was like, this has got to pop, because when she retires, we have to go up instead of going down. You know what I'm saying? And so I kept my why in front of me. I say it all the time. And then I get to work like it depends on me. And another thing I always say is that life happens at the speed of relationship. And your relationships will determine the speed and direction of your life. So I have what you call your fire five. Who are your fire five? These five people will be the ones that will either keep your fire hot or cool it down. Because there's no such thing as coasting. There's no such thing as coasting. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. So I keep my circle tight. I keep relationships at a premium. I, tr I treat relationships at a premium. And everyone I meet, I give them 100% of my attention when I meet them. Because people remember the way you treated them. You're, you, can, you can never get to the point to where you're too big or you're too famous are you too whatever to deal with people on a people level? You know what I'm saying? That that NCIS New Orleans appearance happened because when I played a gig in New Orleans, the sound guy out in front is the music director for NCIS New Orleans. Yes. So had I not been nice to him and went out and talked to him before my show, which is something I do all the time, then I, I never would have got the show. So, so this, I think, so we just got into the meat of something phenomenal. And so I think there's so much to what you just said and tying it back into what you were talking about at the beginning of sort of, I would say, niching down and knowing, knowing sort of who you're, you're looking to connect with and not caring about any other, any other reason. And so essentially, I think from there, you know, taking a look at really what your, um, you know, what your why is being focused and uh, just really trying to, uh, you, your, what's the right word? So I guess just being focused directly on uh, something that uh, is organically your focus and trying to build on that and then trying to connect with a lot of, a lot of people, you're going to build relationships uh, and the opportunities will, they, they will come up from there. Yeah, because here's the deal. You need to be cultivating relationships like, like you in the video game, like Pac-Man collects the dots, you know, like Sonic collects the coins or like whatever game. I'm old school, so you see all those old school games. You know what I'm saying? You have to collect, you have to get those relationships popping because you never know when you're going to need them and you never know what those relationships are going to bring. You know, at the end of the day, it might just be a really good friend that you have it might just be a really cool person that you've met, but you never know. So everybody is a potential relationship that can change your life. You might meet somebody one day and they're the sound guy at your gig. And the next day they're calling you saying, hey, do you want to be on primetime TV? Right. Well, and I think that's I think I got lost there with what I was saying too a little bit. It's the thing is you have to be authentic and it's got to oh. be your, your authentic why or your authentic passion has to come out and that's what other people will see. So when they see your, that you're living in your truth, you've got your, your focus uh, niche, you're trying to serve particular uh, 
you know, a particular individual you're trying to communicate your what you're passionate about, and that resonates more than um, I, I think really trying to pursue things where you don't have that focus. And that's where something new comes up, and that's where you get connected to a lot of different opportunities. That's exactly right, man. You know, being authentic is is being authentic should be the thing that you strive for. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're authentic, people can sense that, they respect that. And and also when you meet people, I, I mean, I'm telling y'all this, but there are some people who may hear what I'm saying and they may just go out and just try to forge all kinds of relationships. People understand whenever you're just collecting relationships. Like, like I said earlier, I said I'm 100% focused on the person I'm talking to. I'm not looking around trying to see who my next hustle is. You dig what I'm saying? I'm focused on that person. And people remember that you that you gave them 100% of your time. I don't care if it's just a few minutes or a few seconds or whatever. They're going to remember that connection. So when I say collect those coins, those relationships like coins, I mean for real, for real. But I'm a people. I'm a flamingo. I'm a people person. So that's what I, that's who I am at my core. And so whenever I meet these people, I'm all in. And when I see them again, I remember them, you know, and I generally remember what we talk about. Now, that's a gift that, I, that I, I've got. I don't know where it came from. It, I, I got it. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not saying it can't be cultivated because it can, but it's something that comes to me naturally. But relationships for me have been the cornerstone of, of my success besides my grind, because your grind has to be there. You have got to you have got to put in more work than the next man, because the next man, when he's sleeping, you need to be working. You know, whenever everybody else quits, you need to keep going. You need to be that person if you want to be successful, because anybody that you know that is successful, 99.9 percent of them have a failed and b been at it a long time. <laughs> Nobody just comes up out of nowhere. Those people are are, are, are very, they're 0.1% of successful people, in my opinion. Well, it's kind of like what you said with the opportunity to be on prime time. You know, you've been grinding at your thing for, you know, over 20 years and you're there, you built those relationships and, you know, you had a relationship, for example, that was able to give you that opportunity, but you were able to bring the package to that particular opportunity. There was somebody else that gave you the opportunity. And it's always so interesting that really you can really try to go after success and you try to try to produce it, but really you're producing, but it's really all these other people that then see that, that have more influence or more opportunity or more of a presence where they can put you in front of other people. And really when they endorse you, then, then you pop off. Then I think that's where a lot of the success happens. You, A, you've got to be ready. Because I know people who are pursuing opportunities, but they're not ready. So the worst thing in the world is to get an opportunity and not be able to take advantage of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know people who have secured the bag. They got the gig. They got the money. And they showed up to the gig, and they weren't ready. And as a consequence, it was a one-time thing. Yeah. You know? Whenever, whenever I talk – and the other thing is if you – and, and I'm using ET stuff because it's so his stuff. He's done it, and it's so simple and so it's so go to. But if you stay ready, you don't ever have to get ready. When I met that guy four and a half years ago, and he said, "Do you own your own music?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Do you own your own publishing?" 
I said, yes. He said, do you write your own songs? I said, yes. And then I said, do you need them right now? I can send them to you. I will, I will drop out you right now. You see what I'm saying? When he met me, I was ready for the opportunity. Now, fast forward. That was four years ago. So when he met me, I was ready, but the opportunity didn't come till four years later. Absolutely. Well, tell me this. So, you know, while, while we're talking about this, the song that you, you have out right now, the Kick Rock, so it very much relates to be yourself. Like, you gotta be, gotta be yourself. So I almost think that probably within this album uh, and this song, there's, uh, a, there's a lot that relates really to what we're talking about here. Can you tell us a little more about the sort of how you wrote this album and sort of, sort of the concepts that are there and the, you know, the song that's, that's currently out. Can you tell us how that uh, relates really to this pursuit? Oh, um, like how the song relates to everything that I'm doing. Yeah, I guess so. There's, there must be an overall, um, you know, theme to, to relate there. And can you, can you relate certain parts from there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the song, I, I got, we, we wrote the song, I wrote the song. Well, I got a, I got a, my, my son's, one of my son's best friends, his name's Greg Simian Jr. Uh, I got with him because I just wanted to get with a guitar player to get, to bounce some ideas. And he came up with that guitar line, right? He had said he had been playing that and he knew that guitar line was special. But when I heard it, I was like, that is a special guitar line. So let me get that, you know, let, let me work with that. And so I ended up writing, writing to his guitar parts. And I knew it was going to be a song about relationships. And all I could, all I could remember was, and I was like, you know, I got it in here. So that's all I knew for a year and a half, almost, almost two years. is All I could hear. And then uh, we started, I started writing to everything uh, this year in June. So I wrote that. Everything that's not a cover, a cover or the last song, which is You Complete Me, I wrote, so I wrote like six songs for the CD in June. I, I actually wrote the lyrics and arranged and everything in June. Got my son to help me write a couple of them, but we did everything in June. So when I wrote this, the song is about, um, about a, a relationship, a guy's relationship with a girl. And it's like, if, if, if I gotta be me, I can't be no one else besides myself. You know, and, and if you can't see that I'm the man for you, oh, well, then do what you do. Kick rocks. <laughs> Kick rocks. Go. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's been pretty much how I live my life, period, with people. You know, and, and, and it's a safe way to be because if somebody doesn't want to be in your life, you got to let them go. Because you keep toxic people around and you become toxic. You keep people who don't want to be there. You don't want to be in your life around. And that stuff rubs off on you. You know, like I tell the kids, I said, you got to realize something that pe people will infect you before you affect them. You know, they they'll infect you on the inside before you affect them on the outside. And that's not a good trade off. So in relationship or in business or whatever, you've got to be yourself. And you got to know who's for you. And if somebody doesn't want to be for you, money won't keep them around. Things won't keep them around. Nothing will keep them there if they want to go. So it's best just to let them go. And that's what the song is saying. You know, and it's just kind of cool that it comes out. And most people don't even hear the kick rocks part. They just hear the, you know, I got to be me. Can't be no one else. That's all they hear. 
you know, I was listening actually to the song last night and I was showing my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to be talking with Sean here tomorrow. And I played the song. And specifically when I heard the kick rock, that specifically is actually what I, I almost like busted out. I said, he just said kick rocks. I, I did. So smart. Man. <laughs> I was like, what is that? And I was like, just told me to kick rocks. Like that's that's that was that was pretty classic. That actually really that particular part really stood out to me. Sweet. That so you understand kick rocks. Oh, kick yeah. rocks is in your vocabulary. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, very good. Well, um, you know, some of the themes too, as you're as you're speaking through that, I'm thinking a lot about marketing and so how it's important to just have your target audience, have your message, and ultimately you've got to have it almost to the point where you can say, look, this is not for you. Okay. Huh. Particular audience, this is not for you. Yeah, dude. Let me tell you something. I, I come from uh, so so Louisiana music is uh, Louisiana Creole music is what my family plays. Right. Started with uh, uh, Amade Ardwan, whose who's, who's repertoire is the basis for all Cajun and Creole music. Um, and then at some point in about the, the mid, to, mid to late 80s, everything with a black man in the accordion became Zydeco music. So we play Zydeco music. Right. So during the course of our, our careers, uh, at some point, Zydeco music became like reggae and blues. You know, it's it's a music, it's a it's a it's an African American uh, originated music, uh, but it started to get appropriating. It started to get appropriated by people outside of the community, right? And then there was this this you know there was all kind of factors that led to the led to the local artists who are popular here not going out on the road to ply our wares, right? Because the way it used to work would be you'd be popular here, and then you'd go out on the road as the biggest band in Zydeco and and the and the world would just embrace you as the biggest band in Zydeco right mm -hmm. well at some point that whole that whole model just got blown to bits and but people love Zydeco so there are tribute bands all over the world who are playing Zydeco music um and so when people hear Zydeco music they either love it or they hate it but whatever they love or hate isn't what we do here in Louisiana and Southeast Texas today, right? So, so on the branding side, I had to understand who I was. I had to understand who my target market was. And my target market was everyone outside of this state, okay? That's everyone in the world except for the people in Louisiana and Southeast Texas because I don't have to explain to them what I do. When I show up with my accordion, and I got the scrubboard player. When I got my T-shirt, hey, branding. <laughs> when I got my T-shirt, you know, they understand, hey, that, that dude plays Zydeco music. But the Zydeco music, Zydeco, the, the, the uh, perception of Zydeco has become so watered down and generic that I needed to get outside of that box so that I could be considered as an artist first. Because what happens is because we haven't been going out to the world to ply our wares, the market value has dropped for Zydeco bands. So for me to even say I'm a Zydeco band out in the marketplace brings my market value down. So I created a whole new genre. And the genre pretty much says what you're getting when you get me. Creole, rock, and soul. <laughs> Creole, rock, and soul. It almost doesn't have to be explained, but when I say Creole, rock, and soul, I always get this. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> and I get I get control of the narrative back 
which is which was the whole point. Because at some point, the artists from Southwest Louisiana lost control of the Zydeco narrative. And so I had to figure out a way to get it back. And that's my way of getting it back. And it's been working. Man, that's that's fascinating. And that has so much application to business and branding. I love that you brought up branding and the sort of taking just this very specific niche. Ultimately, the thing is that when it's that specific and it's new, the thing is that it attracts, it's going to attract other people that are looking for that. And probably part of what resonates from a music standpoint is probably that people are looking for new sounds, looking for something, and they know that probably, okay, maybe I can find it there. But that's the type of thing where it's so specific that people want to be searching for it. Or right. And so that is something that's different when you get really specific and you can say, look, this is what I'm about. This is what I offer. I made this for you. Right? Maybe not be for you, but it's for you. And then the people that you know it's specifically for, there's so many more people that are going to be really kind of looking to find that. And as you build your, I guess, as you build your, your network and your visibility, ultimately, it, there's more ways that it attracts. I think that just relates to business in general. Oh, yeah. This is how it relates to business. I'm, I'm going to give it to you exactly how it relates to business. You may have been having a business uh, a business model for for years, right? And there may be similar business model, business, business people out there operating in that same model. Now, what separates you from them? That's all I did. I just figured out what separated me. What was my unique proposition? You know what I'm saying? What was my unique proposition? What did I uniquely bring to this music game. And I found a way to package it. Three words, no more than three words. If you can do this thing between one and three words, then you will enable yourself to separate yourself from the market because you can easily identify and it's easily uh, replicatable. So once you say, like I say Creole rock and soul, then people start saying, oh yeah, that's the guy that plays Creole rock and soul, right? So if I sold cars, I would be like, you know, uh, high value, low price. That's four words, but if I just if I just beat them up with high value, low price, high value, easy process, no sweat, you know, no sweat purchasing, you know, whatever. If that became my thing and I stuck with it, that separates me from everybody else. But you can only do that if you understand who you are in the marketplace. So you've got to see how you how you're positioned in the marketplace. If you're not the biggest guy in the marketplace and you can't say big guy things. You know, if, if you're, you just got to figure out where you fit in and you got to own that market. And like, like we say with ETA, you got to find the gaps. If you can find, if you can find where there's a gap and fill that gap, you know, then that's where you, that's where you're going to thrive. The gap for us was that none of the bands here in Louisiana were touring. None of, none of the bands who played the music that can be played in Southwest Louisiana were taking that music and taking it out to the world. So there's a huge opening. It's like 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 the two the two uh, shoe salesmen. Uh, I think I forgot who said it's Dave Anderson or one of those guys uh, or, or 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 Zig Ziglar. It said the two salespeople, shoe salespeople, they go to a village on a, on a deserted island and uh, not deserted on on an old village that that are just being modernized, and they go there and the first guy goes, they don't wear shoes, and the second guy goes. They don't wear shoes. <laughs> you dig what I'm saying? One guy sees opportunity and the other guy just sees a problem. If you can become the person that sees the opportunity and sees a solution, 
then you can be the person that can blow your brand up and take it to a whole nother level. See, I saw the solution being there's a whole world that doesn't get to experience what we do. There's a whole world that doesn't understand that we have language, that we have food, that we have a dance, that we have culture, that we have music that is fire. And nobody's out there bringing it to them. So I'm going to bring it to them and I'm going to repackage it so that I'm the, so, I'm the source point of contact. Creole rock and soul. Now, what I'm going to do once I get the attention is I'm going to direct it back to the state of Louisiana, southwest Louisiana, southeast Texas, so that we can increase the tourism so that the music can live because that's the whole thing. And that's the other thing. It's never about selfish. If you're all about self, you're going to find yourself tapping out really quickly. See, my goal is way bigger than myself. When I turned 40, it, I've always been a big proponent of the Creole culture. But when I turned 40, everything became about legacy. Everything became about legacy. You know, and, and so my Creole heritage, my Creole legacy is is paramount to me. It's something that I want to preserve, something that I want to promote. And the way I do that is by increasing my visibility in the marketplace so that I can be a go-to person for that. So I started the Creole Hall of Fame. We've already inducted two uh, two uh, two classes. Uh, and I, uh, I did a super group of uh, Creole artists and called that Creole United. I did that with my cousin Andre. Um, and, just, and, I, and I started a Creole language initiative. Because once my parents die and my parents and their generation pass, then our our dialect of, of Louisiana Creole is going to be gone. So the onus is on us to protect that. So, see, I got something bigger than myself that I'm shooting for. But you see what I'm saying? So whatever your career is, whatever your path is, find, you know, get that purpose now. You got to get that purpose. What is your niche? And then figure out how that can help people help benefit people's lives. And once you do that, it's there. So here's a question for somebody that's saying, how do I determine my niche or how do I focus? I do, you know, whatever it is. How does somebody, how would you say somebody can niche down and find a purpose bigger than themselves to serve that will help them to be more engaging and to be more attractive to the market and to create these types of opportunities? Okay. So the first thing you got to do is, is, is find out is, is seek seek in, internally for what your purpose is. A lot of times your purpose is connected to your passion. Sometimes not, right? Because I know some people whose passion isn't their purpose, and they end up going after their passion, and, and end up being kind of kind of happy but miserable because the purpose is where is where the where the prosperity lies, you know. So the, the to find your purpose, what's the thing that people do? that you cannot stand when they do it wrong. <laughs> you can start there. You know, what do you, what, what do you really, what are you really, I, and I got to use the word passionate, but what are you really passionate about people not doing correctly? Nine times out of 10, that's going to be your purpose. See, with me, it's, it's people and it's music. When I see people living below their potential, I have to speak up. When I see stuff isn't being, do, isn't being done right, you know, I kind of speak up, you know, the, and, and with the music, I, I want to play my music and, and I, I want to make people happy. So making people happy and helping people to learn how to be happy all fall in to, to my, my wheelhouse. Playing music helps people to choose because, OK, let me, let me say, I can't make anybody happy. All I can do is present the opportunity and the right environment for people to choose to be happy.
right? Mm-hmm. So with my music, I get to do that. And then with my, with my speaking and my coaching, I get to help them find their passion and find their way to go and get everything that, that, that they have coming to them. Because everyone was placed on this earth with a purpose and, 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 and a passion. Right. And your purpose is the thing that's going to is going to sustain you and your passion is going to be the thing that fulfill you. And sometimes in those rare people, your purpose and your passion are one and the same. And so you can be fulfilled and sustained. Absolutely. I think that's that's really cool. Well, you know, I would, did that help? Or did that help or did I go in a circle? Did that help? I, I think that I think that does. I mean, that, that answers it again, kind of getting down to trying to find out what your passion is to uh, to drive you, seeing, you know, really what what moves you based on, you know, maybe what really, uh, I guess, frustrates you or essentially just trying to figure out, again, what uh, what you can focus on to uh, to really, I guess, feel naturally moved to do. Things. Right. For, for example, Eric, when I was selling cars, I loved selling cars, but I hated the process. Tell me more on that. Okay. I love selling cars because I got to be around people. I got to see different people every day. And and for me, I'm used to traveling the world and being gone and meeting different people on a regular basis. And when I stopped doing that, I had to have an outlet, you know, And, 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 and I feel like God sent me to sell cars. And when I'm selling cars, I mean, I would deal with the people and then we just get around to happen to sell them a car, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the process is concerned, when I say process, there's so many things that we have to deal with when selling a car that don't have anything to do with selling a car sometimes that that kind of gets in the way. And I figured that for me, it wasn't even the car. I could be selling phones and it would be the same thing. I would love the people part and hate the process part. So when I break it down to that and be real with myself, then I would be I would be a fool to try to make selling cars my only thing and my my purpose because there was so much of the process and so much of the actual entity that I just did not like. Like it, I just I couldn't stand it. The negotiation part it was cool. I didn't have a problem with that, you know. But then just like the paperwork and the and the and the and the big quotas. I say big quotas and the quotas. You know, and I know you have to have a standard, but whenever you're dealing with someone buying something, you don't necessarily have control over that. You know, then I realized, you know, I kind of like having control of my own future. (laughs) I didn't like working for someone else, you know, because I had been working for myself since I was young. So going and working for someone else, while it taught me humility and it taught me process and that if I don't have a process, then I will drop the ball somewhere and my business won't be as productive as it could be. You know, so selling cars was cool. I met a lot of people. I was able to to bless a lot of lives, help a lot of people. I mean, on a test drive, you're liable to hear anything. I mean, you hear life stories, you know, we and we go through it and, and I help them. And some of those people, I I knew they couldn't buy a car when I met them. But I knew that my purpose was to go and talk to them and help them get to that next decision that they were trying to get to. And so we took it. We take a ride, you know, take a, a test drive and we get back and I checked their credit and they were like a 300. And I knew they were 300 because after you've done it for for a little while, very few people, you is very few people that you can't pretty much see where they are. 
But but whenever you're good at your job, you don't ever prejudge. That's the hardest thing to do in selling cars. So, so a lot of people get jaded and they prejudge folk. And some people dress down to go buy a car. Mm-hmm. So that prejudging will come to bite you in the butt. I never did it. I never did it. The one time I was about to do it, I checked myself. And I'm glad I did because that person ended up being an 800. And they ended up being ready to buy it that day. And if I hadn't gone out there and talked to them, somebody else would have got that sale. If I'd have prejudged them, somebody else would have got that sale. So bottom line, I love the people part of it, but the actual business part of it, didn't love it. This music business, I love every single aspect of it. The speaking business, I love every, the coaching, I love every single aspect of it. So that means it's a part of me. It's my, it's, it's right there. It's in line with my purpose because I'm dealing with people and it's my passion because I love people. So it's, I'm one of those people who, who actually get to have everything that, that I, that I desire in my passion and my purpose. Well, very good. Very good. Well, let me see. I think so from here, uh, the, let's see, I think we covered pretty much most of what I think, uh, I had some thought to kind of go over anything else you would like to share or uh, talk about. Oh, oh man, it's all kind of stuff, man. I, I mean, I'm loving it all. You know what I'm saying? I, I love, I love people, man. I love, gi- I love giving them the information that they need. I mean, the, here's, here's, here's one thing I can leave with, with entrepreneurs. Uh, if you work in a job and you, and you feel like you're an entrepreneur, first of all, you got to get your why, right? The second thing that you need to do is figure out, what your purpose is. And when I say, and, and so your why, and then there's your why am I here? Your why is who you do or, or what you do, what you do for. Like if it's my why is I want to be a millionaire. So that's why I do it. My why is I want to take care of my family. That's it. But then your why am I here? So many people have gone through their lives not asking why am I here, Right. If you ask yourself, why am I here? And you can deal with and you can get to the point to where your mind is starting to work and your spirit is going, okay, you're here to do this. Then you can start going and your entrepreneurial spirit, nine times out of 10 is for that purpose. You, you know, because entrepreneurs aren't born. I mean, entrepreneurs aren't made, they're born. This is, this is interesting. So I think, so with that, is that if you look at how you might present whatever business it is that you do to somebody and you're trying to market it, you've got the external, uh, the external service or the external product that you can literally help somebody with, but that's not really what people buy. There's an internal, there's an internal motivation that somebody has or internal story. They talk so much about uh, hearing what the narrative is that somebody has and speaking to that narrative. You've got to create that story is it almost seems like, again, here with entrepreneurship, right, and doing, doing business entrepreneurially, is that you've got to kind of create or hone in or determine what that narrative is for yourself, which has to be some type of story that has uh, some significant meaning for you. And so the entrepreneur has developed a clear story of their narrative that they really, they own. And I guess I would almost say, maybe this is related to, again, the success with the music, is that once you own that narrative and you, you're authentically in that story, 
that's something that other people see and feel and you're 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 living out that particular narrative and then you're attracting around you people that see that and want to sort of they, they resonate with that 100 percent. like you said it doesn't matter what you do you could do any type of business as long as you're within that narrative and you're out again not to go and just make money or not to again just to collect names you're literally on that mission and people feel that mission and you meet people with that mission and they see it and they feel it and they want to help support and build it or they see that you're on the same mission so you got to go on the mission together yeah really, i think that's that's what i'm hearing there and i think there's a lot of undertones here uh you know i in this case really even for broadcasting this sort of on facebook i think the uh just overall, this story and your story of success and how you're focused entrepreneurially, um, it's, it's, it's different than a lot of the other entrepreneurs I've had the opportunity to kind of speak to. But I think there's a, there's a lot of depth here to the, uh, the story and how it applies really to just pursuing your dream, pursuing your passion. And uh, there's a lot to break down here, I think, to, uh, to help people to, uh, to I guess. To yeah. More. Check this out what, to, on, on what you just said. I, I was a Zydeco artist, right? And I was in the pack. As soon as I said I was a Creole rock and soul artist, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a few months after I said that I was a Creole rock and soul artist that stuff just started breaking for me. It, it's amazing. You know, we tried, me and my cousin tried with alternative Creole, and that was cool, but that just didn't roll off the tongue, and it, it had a different kind of connotation when you say it. Like, and then he he said, you know what, man, I, I'm kind of, I'm not really feeling that anymore. And I said, yeah, okay, well, what are we going to do? And then he said he was going to do accordion soul. Well, that's cool for him because he's a brilliant accordionist, right? And so I was like, well, if he's got that, I can't even co-sign that because I don't even, I can't even identify and I can't wholeheartedly say that I'm an accordion soul artist because that's not authentic to me. So what am I? So I had, I, what I told y'all to do, I stepped back. And I said, what is my unique proposition to the marketplace? That, there you go, man. That's it. You know, what is my unique proposition to the marketplace? I'm high energy. I'm, I, I, I have all kinds of musical influences. Whenever I'm on stage, I give 120%. I know it's not possible, but I give 100%. And if I ain't got no more, I'm still giving. <laughs> okay. And, and so what does that look like? Well, that's rock and roll, baby, because when you're done, you know, you didn't gave everything. You know, rock and roll is tragic to some people because they've given everything and it's a short span. So it's Creole, rock, and soul because everything I do, I do with my heart, with my mind, my will, and my emotions, right? That's just, that's your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I do everything with my soul. So I'm Creole, I'm rocking, and I do it with soul. It's who I am in every single aspect of my life. And when I, when I started owning that, and just living in that and just marinating in that and just, just put my unique proposition, the USP is what they call it in sales, your unique sales proposition. When I put my unique sales proposition out there, people were like, hey, I want to taste that. So much so that whenever I put my product out, my album got the nomination and I worked the album. But I, I want to go on record and tell you, I had no way of working the single with because the, the way the, the way you get a Grammy nomination is that we have uh, 16,000 people. I'm on the Grammy, the governing board for my chapter. Right. 
So I'm involved. First of all, I had to get involved. I had to get involved in the process. See, people think it's like it just happens by spontaneous generation. It doesn't. You've got to see it, say it, and get to work. I saw that I wanted to be on the board. Look, it took me six to eight years to get on the board. I didn't quit. I kept showing up. When I decided I wanted to be on the board, I started showing up. I showed up to every meeting. I have a shirt. Matter of fact, I, I ain't going to show you. I have a shirt that says, at Sean Ardwin. It has my, my, my social media handle. I wore that shirt everywhere I went. I still wear that shirt, but now I got CSA Get to Work, and I got my logo shirt. So I, wear, I, I, I kind of break it up a little bit. But I wore that shirt everywhere. It's so much to the point to where whenever I'd show up and I didn't have it on, they were like, hey, man, I almost didn't recognize you because you didn't have your shirt on. But when it came time to vote for the for the for the board, that shirt helped me get elected. Showing up helped me get elected. So I made it to the governing board. So, so right, so I, I want to get a Grammy. How do you do that? Well, we have sixteen thousand people. The, the, we put we enter our projects. They go to the uh, to the to uh, a committee that makes sure they're in the right place. Then it goes to the body. We vote. Then it goes to the nomination committee. They vote. So when I'm at the body and I'm promoting my my um, my CD. I know people I can directly promote to, right? Mm -hmm. The single, I don't know anybody in Americana. I don't know anybody in American Roots and the blues and the and the in the um in the Americana thing and the blues, the traditional R and B. I don't know none of these people. So my product that I was authentic to in the studio stood on its own and rose to the top. That song beat out over three hundred other songs from people who you might know, people who are multi-million selling artists. So you can't tell me that seeing your vision and saying it and then getting to work don't work because I just worked it for two Grammys, two Grammy nominations. And after February 10th, we believe in it's going to be two Grammys. <laughs> it's going to happen, man. I, I see it. <laughs> Bro, I'm saying, you know, I, if you don't believe you, who going to believe you? Absolutely. Well, what I would say is this. So maybe what we can take back from this, uh, this interview and this conversation is that what we all need to do is put some Creole rock and soul into our pursuits. And Speaking of which, please go stream it. Do like, look, like the big time people, they have listening parties. They got millions of followers. So they said, look, today, put, put our CD on, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever you use it and turn the volume down and put it on repeat. And let it play all day for a few days. Look, y'all do that for your boy. The <laughs> Creole Rock and Soul, Sean Ardwin, wherever you are. Because now, nowadays, the streams count, right? The streams count. So you need some Creole Rock and Soul in your life. I'd appreciate that. Share the video. We'll, we'll put the video in the, um, in the comment so y'all can check that out. Because we need views. We got to have views. Because in this day and age in the music business, you need to have social media presence. You need to show the numbers. And I need the numbers. I need y'all's help. And I ain't too proud to beg. I'm asking for it. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Well, Sean, thank you so much for, for joining us. And so absolutely. It's a really, really awesome uh, song, Kick Rocks. And thank you, sir. Absolutely. You know, uh, just an outstanding story. Uh, I love really how um, really all this is, has uh, been conveyed. I think it's really cool. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity to have you on here. 
Man, I want to thank you for having me, man, because, you know, we're doing something right now that I call co-hustling. True. (laughs) It's called co-hustling. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's so I guess, well, this is another point. So it's this networking piece and this thing that you mentioned about getting in, getting, you know, working into uh, showing up, making these connections. And ultimately, you need to get other people that help to promote what you're doing, that help present other opportunities. And really, it's not, you know, you could be the most skilled person in, in what you do, but if you don't have other people that are going to help. You can't be great on your own. Absolutely. You cannot be great on your own. You can do nothing great on your own. So you need other people, so you might as well get to get other people on your team. People, people understand authenticity. And as far as you entrepreneurs out there, listen, people don't buy products. They buy people. They buy from people that they like. So if they don't like you, they're not buying from you. They don't like you. Your product can be the best in the world. If they don't like you and they don't see you as authentic, they will not do business with you. And that's why you have to find your authentic voice, your authentic passion, because that's what people buy. Because then you have a story that resonates with the narrative that's going on in the other mind of the other person. Or perhaps they have a narrative that's missing a piece. And when they hear something like Creole rock and soul, they're like, oh, that's where the other piece is. And they're like, I have to go and check that out. Or, yep. like, you know what? I'm on that same tip and I need to rock with other people like that to move forward to create other opportunities or to be able to connect. And ultimately, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. That's right, man. Thank you for having me on this thing, man. And everybody out there, remember, you got to see your, what you want to have, see your goal, put it before you. You got to say it at least twice a day. And then you got to get to work making that thing happen. Absolutely. And, you know, I can add in there, I guess if I were to have one saying is you got to fail your way to success. You got to fail forward, fail forward and fail fast.
you see them fly Cause you kick rocks Remember that you wanted to go free And as you go Walk got that dope Come on, mama, won't you shake it for me You know I gotta be mean 